All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey. <laughs> Daniels, yeah. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're kidding. <laughs> Are there any Daniels in the room? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. Okay. Um, uh, periodically, I like to talk about how strange Christianity is. Uh, because from the outside, when people are coming in, like when people are looking at what we do and the things we believe, uh, it is healthy and good to acknowledge how strange these things are. And one of the strangest things I believe about Christianity, there are lots of them. We believe in miracles. We believe a God who exi- God exists. Uh, there is a guy named Jesus who is God and man, and he got resurrected, and all kinds of st- crazy stuff happened, right? Uh, but one of the strangest things that is simultaneous, this is probably like one of the most important things about our relationship with God, uh, is that we believe that when we pray, there is a God who hears us and answers, and there is a being who is invisible and spirit and not tangible in many ways, who we actually talk to and have a conversation and relationship with. This is very, very weird, okay? And so if you're coming from outside of the church and then, you know, like Daniel, the preacher up there is like praying and everyone closes their eyes and they're like, you're like, what is going on? Like, who are they talking to? Are they talking to each other? Like, it's very strange. And so what I, what I want to do is um, I periodically just want to remember this. And this is really important for a number of reasons. Number one, it reminds us how incredible it is that we can pray to God, uh, but it also helps us be like compassionate and patient with people who are unfamiliar with this, uh, and it helps us like learn. Uh, it's like you. It's like when you're starting to learn something for the first time. Uh, there are difficulties and struggles that you have with it. That if you're like so, for example, like if you're like Michael Jordan, or you're like you're you're an expert at whatever you're doing. Uh, you are so good that you don't even remember what it was like to be a learner. Like, you don't remember what it was like to have problems dribbling because you've done it so many times. And so I think it's actually really important for those of you who have been churched for a long time, we got to go back to the fundamentals. Uh, We have to understand what it means to pray, and then we also have to understand the difficulties that we have when it comes to prayer. And so uh, let me give you another passage that kind of demonstrates the same thing I'm talking about. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. This is so weird, right? Uh, Peter says this, Though you have not seen him, God, you love him. So, like, what is this? Is this like, you know, online dating or something? Like, you, you fall in love through messenger or something? What, what's going on here? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. So you are believing that there is a God who you cannot see, you've never seen, and you still don't see him, but you love him and believe in him. And then the third part is crazy. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, and some versions say unspeakable, and filled with glory. And so uh, when Dan was talking about the way that God sees us and loves us, the way that God sees us is like, a father whose son has run away from, from the house, 
He has taken his family inheritance, he's squandered it, he's made bad life decisions, he's done all of these things that has basically said to his dad, I'd rather you be dead, I want to do my own thing. And when he turns around and comes back to God, to the, sorry, when he turns around and comes back to the father, he expects that the father will be disappointed, judgmental, you have to work off your debt, but instead the father welcomes him with open arms, right? This is how God views every single one of us. Uh, And the crazy thing is, that experience of God's hug, that experience of God's love, this is something that God intends for us to have moment by moment. And this is just a phrase that you could just say, you relate to him, you talk to him all the time. All the time. All the time. And so uh, let me use an illustration of this. Like, my main point is basically, you guys might think of prayer as something that you put on your schedule. Uh, so if you're, Christ- if you're churched, if you've been in church for a long time, everyone talks about quiet time Christianity, right? So you have to have your quiet time every morning where you wake up early, you read your Bible, and you pray. And you put it on your schedule from 6.30 to 7. If you're Dan and you wake up early, it's like from 4.30 to 5 or whenever that crazy guy wakes up. Um, you put it on your schedule, and then once you're done with your prayer for the day, you don't pray anymore. Or you pray before meals. Once you're done with that prayer, you don't pray anymore. But this is actually, uh, that is one element of our relationship with the Father that is very important. Uh, But this other element that I want to talk about today is, in a sense, unceasing prayer, involving God in everything we do. And so when this passage says, you don't see him, but you believe in him, uh, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, um, this is how we get there. This is how we get there. It's not simply through kind of formal business, scheduled relationships with God, though those are helpful and important. It's also through just involving God in literally everything you do. And so if you don't know what this means, then uh, it's really important that we remind ourselves uh, what type of God God is. And then as you know more who he is, anyway, okay. So one one last illustration of this principle. Uh, you don't know how much you make unilateral decisions until you get married, okay? You don't know. You don't realize how most of the time, maybe if, you're, if you have parents, um, if, you're, if you have parents, you don't make as many unilateral decisions, but you still get a lot of freedom and choices, right? But you don't know what it's like to really involve someone in your life until you get married. And then you realize, oh wait, I can no longer do anything without involving my wife. If you do things without involving your wife, you get in trouble, <laughs> and you don't want to do that. Uh, if you, here, so here's a dumb example. Um, we have these like incidents, like we have these, we have these fights uh, that we always remember. So one of the fights that we had when we were dating, um, I think it was like the French fry incident. Um, so, uh, you know, like I'm a hungry boy, and I like French fries, and so Ashley was like, let's go get some french fries. So we went to go get some french fries, and then basically I ate the french fries too fast, and she was like, I didn't get enough french fries. And so we went to get more french fries. So literally, same night, we went to a different fast food restaurant to get more french fries, and then I literally did the same thing again, where I was like, I, so it was basically like, I am so used to just like feeding my gullet, just shoving french fries into my gullet at whatever rate I want, 
And I don't even know what it means to consider another person in the way I eat my food, right? I don't even know what that's like. That's just a really dumb illustration, but in every single component of your life, you, you run into these types of things. So um, I like playing basketball. So Sunday night, I play basketball, hanging out. With, and, and a lot of the times after I play basketball with my friends, we go to McDonald's, we eat French fries, we hang out, we chat, and then I get back home at like 11.45. Now that I'm married, I cannot come back at 11.45 without telling my wife and informing her where I am, right? I have to involve her in this. Uh, when, when we make decisions, like, oh, are we going to buy a house? What if one day I went over to my wife and I was like, oh, yeah, I bought a house. And she's like, what? We never talked about this. You bought a house without telling me? Like, what are you doing? Right? Now, this is, like, this sounds ridiculous, right? But we live our life basically not involving God in, the, I, w- I would even go as so far as to say, in many of the things we do. In many if not all, I don't know. In a lot of the things, we don't involve God. We don't even know what this is like. And the, the Christian life is about increasingly involving God, our Father, in everything we do. And this means increasingly communicating God with, to, to God, doing things with God, involving our Father in our decision-making, asking Him for help. And this is how you experience joy unspeakable in your life. Um, And so, uh, for a lot of us, um, preachers make these grand promises where it's like peace and joy and Jesus, Holy Spirit, all this stuff, and you might not experience these things, and sometimes you ask yourself why. And I would say one of the reasons is because we have a dysfunctional view of God that comes out in the way we communicate to him, okay? When you have a dysfunctional relationship with someone, uh, you can't simply work on uh, relation uh, communication techniques, you have to address the core dysfunction in the relationship too, right? And so um, if you're like going to uh, Avon for like marriage counseling or whatever, and uh, you, you're like, my wife isn't talking to me, can you help? And then Avon says, let me give you five principles for effective communication. Number one, you have to make eye contact when they're speaking to you. Number two, you have to actively listen where you repeat what they say. Number three, show physical affection as you're talking to them. And you're like, okay, those are all great principles, but she's not talking to me. So how am I supposed to actively listen when she's not saying anything, right? You have to address the fundamental relationship before you talk about techniques. And so my, like, my thesis, one of the things that I've observed is, for many of us, the reason we don't pray is because we don't know who we're praying to. We don't know what God is like. Our prayers treat God in a certain way. Like, our prayers, we pray to a boss. And so, when we pray to God, we're kind of like, oh shoot, did I, uh, did I do my work well? Did I perform well? Did I avoid sin? Did I do good stuff for people? Did I love people? Uh, sometimes we're like, oh shoot, when I'm praying to God, God, I didn't pray to you very much. I'm in trouble, shoot. But then, I don't want to pray to you because I didn't pray very much because I'm in trouble and he's going to like get mad at me. Um, Or God is an absent father, God is a neglectful father, God is a boss. Is that how we relate to him? Uh, When we understand who God is as a father, this absolutely transforms the way we pray, 
And you can pray to God in a way that's totally different than the way you might pray. Now, when you're starting out, prayer feels uncomfortable and difficult because it's weird. It's weird. But as you pray more and as you work through talking to someone, as you feel out your relationship with God, as you learn how he feels about you and you just do it, you just pray, um, things actually change. And God, prayer, which used to be a chore, it used to be something that you schedule for 15 minutes, becomes a source of joy and life for you, where you're like, I want to involve my father in everything because he is my encourager, he's my comforter, he gives me peace when I'm struggling and anxious, I can rest on him, I can relate. And so um, I'm, I'm gonna pick on Amber forever now. She, she, used, she, she had that perfect illustration of this in her testimony when she got baptized, where she said, you know, like, I, I basically blurt out my emotions in 10 minute long uh, messages to my friends, like voice recordings. But when I do that, my feelings are still there. It makes me feel better for a little bit, but my feelings are still there. But when I talk to God about these things, when I involve God in everything I'm going through, there's like a burden lifted. It actually changes how you feel because you come to a, a renewed understanding of how God is with you, okay? So how do we relate to our Father? How do we pray to him? How do we experience the joy that we have in Jesus, uh, in our Father? We do this by praying four ways. Shamelessly, we pray confidently, we pray constantly, and we pray in everything. I, I kind of repeated myself in the last two, but I think it's important. Okay, so uh, who are we praying to? In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and he says, when you pray, say, Father. Now, this is a really, really big deal. And I don't think you guys always understand um, how praying to a father changes everything. Okay, so I want you to think for a second. Let's pretend you're a junior high boy, and there's a girl you like, and you're going to, like, ask her, you're going to ask her on a date or to the movies or whatever, and you don't know how she's going to respond. How do, you, how do you act? You dress up, you're super nervous, and you act self-conscious, and you're like, oh, what do I say? I don't know. I don't know. But then imagine this. How does it change things if you knew that that girl liked you back? The pressure is off, isn't it? Like, you, 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 you do this dumb thing where you conspire with her friends. You're like, oh, does she like me? Because I might like her. And then they're like, the girls are like, oh, yeah, she totally likes you. You should totally ask her out. And they're like, okay, I don't have to take a risk then. I'm going to ask her out. That's the super dumb way of doing it. Don't talk to her friends. Just ask her out. Be a man. No. Um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think you were going to get dating advice, did you? Anyway, so it changes things when you actually know how the person feels about you. When we pray to God, we don't know how he feels about us. We are insecure because we don't know that God is our father and that he wants to relate to us as a father. This means that you can pray unselfconsciously. You can pray confidently. Because, because okay, when... And I'll, I'll use uh, plenty of Toby examples as we go along. But anyway, so when you pray, you are praying to a father. And this has so many implications for us. Um, in this passage, when Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer, he goes on to do relationship counseling with the disciples. He tells them a template for how to pray, what to pray about, 
But what's really interesting is in this passage, he goes on to motivate them to show them how they can pray, why they can be confident praying. And so he tells, Jesus tells uh, two stories. Uh, this is Luke chapter 11. Uh, he finishes the Lord's prayer, says, lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend um, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. So Jesus is telling a very relatable story for the people in this culture. Uh, they did not have refrigeration. And so when, if, and they were extraordinarily dependent on the hospitality of people to travel. So uh, you, there were no hotels. I mean, there were, there, there were but uh, you, most of the time when you travel, you were dependent on people taking you in. And so they would welcome strangers. They would welcome them into their homes. Um, and when someone comes into your home, you got to feed them, right? Because they don't have McDonald's. Like, you can't stop at the, the McDonald's, like, halfway to the trip, the, the destination, and have a cheeseburger. You, ha you have, like, very little food. You're very dependent on other people. And so it would have been a practice to always welcome someone in and then to feed them, right? And so this host has an awkward situation where he has nothing to feed his relative who's traveled from a long distance. And so he's starting to freak out. He's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So he goes to his neighbor, and this also would have been common. He goes to his neighbor and starts knocking on the door and asking him, and this is at midnight, okay? So he is annoying and imposing himself on this neighbor. And midnight back then was like the middle of the night. Midnight now is like, you know, an hour before you go to bed. But they didn't have light, they didn't, or two hours before you go to bed. They didn't have lighting back then. They didn't have electric lights. So this would have been in the very middle of the night. And then if you notice, my children are in bed with me. They only had one bed. The entire family was in one bed. And you're knocking on the door, this tiny house. Everyone hears it. You're waking up and disturbing everyone in the family, right? Um, this is how desperate he is. This is how awkward the situation is. I need help. Can you help me? And then Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not and, uh, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, so <laughs> yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So what is the situation? Uh, the guy is knocking on the door. Give me food. Give me food. The guy's like, go away. I'm sleeping. I have work tomorrow. My kids like just went to, like, whatever. Go away. Stop bothering me. And what does he do? Keeps on knocking. Five minutes later, he's still knocking. The guy's like, oh my gosh, you're so annoying. I know we're friends, but if you want to stay friends, you got to stop knocking. And then the guy's like, no, I'm just going to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on asking. And then finally, because of the person's impudence, because of their shamelessness, because of their rudeness, the person answers. Because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And so this is actually a picture. This is, Jesus is so interesting as a teacher. This is an example of how we should pray. We should knock continually. We should continually bother God. But the difference is God is not like a reluctant neighbor. God is a father. So there, in some ways, we are told we should pray constantly. We should knock continually. We keep on asking. We keep on knocking. But the difference is between God and that neighbor, this next section, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder whether God's going to answer you or not. There's this promise where when you ask God for things, he will respond. There's this promise. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Um, So God wants us to actually pray shamelessly. And the only reason this makes sense is because God wants to relate to him the way a child relates to their parents. So let me give you an example of Toby asking for things. Uh, Toby is absolutely shameless, and he's totally persistent. And so uh, when I was in Costco uh, not too long ago, Costco is a difficult place to be with Toby because Toby always wants to be on the ground and walk around. He generally doesn't like being in the cart, okay? So sometimes he'll like throw a temper tantrum when we put him in the cart. Uh, And so I have literally had to go through my entire Costco trip holding Toby in my left arm and pushing the cart with one arm. I'm serious, because he did not want to be in the cart. And so this time, I knew this, I'm a smart dad, so I'm like, the key to any parenting issue is always bribery. So there there are these amazing die-cast cars, these like huge die-cast sports cars, and I was like, hey Toby, do you want this car? And it's like in a box, right? And so I was like, which one do you want? He's like, like this one. And he, he says, this one points to it. It's like a blue Mercedes or something. So I give him the box, right? And I'm like, ah, yes, I've, <laughs> I figured him out. This is going to work really well. He's just going to hold that box, and he's gonna, I'm going to cart him around. This is at the very beginning of the trip. Uh, he gets the box, and then he looks at me, and he's like, open it. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so then, then he says, open it, open it. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to open it yet. We have to wait until we pay for it. And then he keeps on saying, open it, open it. And then guess what happened? He had a temper tantrum. And then I had to hold him in my left arm. And he really likes pushing the cart with me. So his arms are pushing the cart. And then I'm pushing the cart with my right hand. And it's exhausting. So by the time I leave, I'm like drenched in sweat from carrying my baby for like 45 minutes. Um, and so Toby is shameless. Toby does not care about throwing a temper tantrum in a crowded place to express what he wants. And so he does this all the time, where he's like, he's, he asks for things like this. He says, want it, this one. Want it, this one. Want it, that one. You know, like that's what he does, and he's shameless. As a father, when Toby asks for something, I want to give it to him. <laughs> and I love giving him things. That if God, if we're praying to a father, this is how God views you. This is how God feels about you. This is really different. Because most of the time when we pray, we think we've disappointed God because we're not good enough. Um, or we think that God is very reluctant to answer us when we ask for things. But this whole story is communicating how God is not like a reluctant neighbor who, who is like bothered when you ask him. God is like a father who delights in responding to you as you ask him for things. And so you can ask shamelessly. Uh, The next thing that we see is you can pray constantly, right? Uh, When when it says ask, seek, knock, each of those phrases is ramping up the intensity of the desire or the way that you're asking, right? So when you ask for something, you're like, hey, Aiden, can I have that book? 
And then when I'm seeking, you're like, I'm like circling the book like a shark. I'm prowling. And you know, like I'm going to pounce on the thing. I'm looking for that book. I'm like looking on the internet to see if I can find that book. I'm looking at the bookstore. You're seeking. You're, you have this strong desire. And so you're like working. You're going on a quest to find this. And then the final one, to knock. You persistently and repeat it. You're like banging on the door. These are, and what's so cool is uh, this is saying that uh, we can pray confidently and we also pray constantly where no matter what level of intensity of your desire, God wants to hear all of them. And so another example of this uh, with Toby is Toby, Toby uh, so we pray at dinner um, and meals and it's so interesting to see how Toby has like picked up our example um, where we'll pray and then Toby's always like, pray again. And then I'll pray. And then, you know, he's like, mama, pray. So then Ashley prays. And he'll do this like five times in a row, six times in a row. So my son is a prayer already at such a young age. He's so advanced. No, I'm just kidding. But um, the, the really interesting thing is he prays for literally everything. And it doesn't even always make sense. So sometimes the prayers will go like this. Toby will be like, dad, dad, pray again. I'm like, okay, what do you want to pray for? And he says, pray crane truck. He says, pray crane truck. So I know what that means is we saw this huge crane truck a few days ago, and he wants me to pray that he would see another crane truck or something like that. So then I pray, okay, God, can you help us see another crane truck? And then he says, pray skid steer. And, and we saw a skid steer, and he loves construction vehicles, so okay, we'll pray skid steer. Or sometimes he prays for like the TV shows he watches, where he's like expressing like a desire to watch the TV show or something, or like pray for grandma or whatever. And it's really interesting. And so sometimes he'll say like, Dada, pray one truck. And so I'm like, okay, I'll pray that we can see one truck. He prays for everything. And that is exactly how God wants us to pray to him. We, for the smallest ask, the tiniest little thing God wants us to pray to him. For the biggest thing in the world that we are so like struggling with, God wants us to ask. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to involve him in everything. And if we know that God is our father, we pray shamelessly. We pray confidently, knowing he'll answer. We pray constantly. So let's keep going. Jesus then goes on to give this illustration for what type of God God is. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent... Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. So Toby asks me for something, for some snacks, right? For some seaweed krispies. They're the snack at Costco. Am I going to give him something poisonous or dangerous? Absolutely not. If, if he asks me for like a sharp, pointy, dangerous, like an ice pick, like, Dad, can I have that ice pick? Or a chainsaw. Can you turn on the chainsaw and give it to me? No, absolutely not. I'm not going to give it to him. And then Jesus says this. If you then, who are evil... Know how much to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus, this is an argument from lesser to greater, where all, I mean, earthly fathers in general, there are exceptions, but for Jesus' point, he's saying most parents will give their kids good things when they ask them, right? But parents are evil. <laughs> and, he, and what he's saying is, we are totally imperfect. We are sinful. We make mistakes. But God is so much better of a father than we are. God is so much better of a parent than we are. And so we can ask, when we ask things, we're really confident that it will answer. Um, the other thing we see here is, so we can ask confidently because God promises to give us good things. 
The other thing we see is God exercises wisdom in how he responds to our requests. Do you get me? He exercises wisdom in how he responds. Um, the, the opposite of this example is saying, oh, if your son asks for a serpent, are you going to give it to him? No. Earthly, yes. Okay, it depends. Maybe like you're a snake, you're like, you're, you can have like a snake in a little terrarium or whatever. But uh, I'm not going to give you like a, like a diamondback or a black mamba or something, okay? Um, if you then, who are evil, exercise wisdom and discernment in the type of gifts you give to your child, how much more will God, who knows everything, exercise discernment in how he gives good gifts to you, okay? So we can pray shamelessly, confidently, constantly. Uh, we ask him for everything. And then the really cool thing is at the end it says uh, that how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So uh, we're going to get into this later when we talk more about the Trinity. But this prayer is so incredible. This prayer is basically saying the thing you need more than anything in the world is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, and the way that I can explain this, I can explain this in a number of ways. Um, the Holy Spirit is the only antidote to our terminal disease of sin. We are dying as a result of our sin. And this Holy Spirit, when God gives us his presence, we are healed. We are connected to the source of all life. And we can live forever. Not only that, the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us, to counsel us, to comfort us, but especially the role of the Holy Spirit is to reassure us of God's love for us as a father. And so when we pray for God, one of the things, so um, when Toby is having a tough time, uh, like he, you know, he feels hungry or he feels upset, uh, he doesn't necessarily need anything to make him feel better. What's so incredible is Ashley just by hugging him, can make him feel better. It's, it's incredible. It doesn't work all the time, but a lot of the times it works, right? And so in the same way, sometimes when we're praying for things, like, okay, let me give a dumb example. Uh, it's not a dumb example. It's actually a serious example, but it's also a good example. Um, so I'm using picking on junior high boys, um, or like, how about, okay, high school girl. You're a high school girl, and you really, really want... <laughs> You're a high school girl and you really, really want to date someone, you know, because you feel lonely or you feel ugly or unlovable, right? Now, God could answer your prayers by giving you someone to date, but God in his wisdom might actually do something different where it is possible to be joyful. It is possible to be assured that you are lovable simply by God through the Holy Spirit reassuring you that you're his daughter and that he cherishes you, and that you're precious to him. And so when you pray for that, sometimes what you're really asking for is God to give you a hug. Like, God, reassure me. I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling with these feelings. And let me tell you this. If God did answer by giving you a dumb high school boyfriend, because uh, boys are dumb until approximately the age of 24, but some boys are dumb even longer, but anyway, so you don't, you don't even want a high school boy. A high school boy is not going to make you feel better. <laughs> They're going to frustrate you and annoy you at how immature they are. Um, so what you really want is you really want to know that you're loved and you're reassured. You want, you want to know that things will be okay. 
You, you want to know that someone treasures you and is looking out for you and protecting you. And that's exactly who God is. And so when you pray in this way, we pray for whatever we need. We pray for whatever we want. God will take our prayers and he will, in a sense, um, he will answer them. Uh, and um, let me see if I could say this correctly. Uh, God answers our prayers uh, in the way that we would pray if we knew everything he knew. God answers our prayers if we prayed uh, in the way we would pray if we knew everything God knew. We don't know what's good for us. We don't know what would really help us. We don't know what the future is going to be. God does. And so when we take our little prayers that are short-sighted, like I want a high school boy, what you really want is you want to have a companion for life, right? And God is that companion. He really is. And so to be a Christian, you don't have to be married. You can actually experience the love of God for you as a single person. And that can be a source of terrible pain and difficulty your whole life. And yet God and your relationship with him can be a terrible, an incredible source of joy and peace. And so Jesus was single. Paul was single. You don't have to be married to be a Christian. God will use you. Um, this, is, this is what it means, uh, that we have a heavenly father who loves us. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not difficult. So if we pray to a father, we pray unselfconsciously and authentically. Um, he's our dad who's monitoring us. Uh, dumb example from, from Toby's life. Um, so uh, what you don't realize about God is God feels so much delight and passion for you when you're not even paying attention to him. Uh, when Ashley and I put Toby to sleep, or even uh, sometimes Dan gets a chance to see this, uh, Toby's in his crib and we have a baby monitor where the camera is like looking at him and then we just watch him. And so when he's going to bed, sometimes he's chatting to himself, sometimes he's playing with the stuffed animals. When he's sleeping, we're just in bed and we just like watch him through the baby monitor when he's sleeping for like 30 minutes straight. And we're like, oh my gosh, look how cute he is. Look how big his head is. Like he's so adorable. I love my baby so much. This is how God sees us. And so this is how we can pray confidently and shamelessly. You don't even realize how God feels about you. And because of that, you don't pray. Because of that, you don't involve him because you don't know what he's like. But when you have just a taste of this, God loves you so much. He's so delighted with you. He's constantly looking at your life and saying, I am so proud. I love my child so much. They're so amazing. I love the way I made them. They're so special and precious to me. When we know this, when we experience it, when the Holy Spirit helps us experience this, then we start to involve God in everything. Because why wouldn't you want to involve someone who feels this way about you in everything? Uh, so we pray constantly, and we pray in everything. Uh, so this is where I would uh, kind of leave us. Um, I'm not supposed to introduce something new, but I, I got to give you this, uh, this different Bible verse because I, I, I really love it. Um, this is from Philippians chapter 4, and I'll uh, read this part. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, right off the bat, we see, see something incredible here. Uh, we have so many anxieties. We feel so overwhelmed by all the things that happen in life. But then Paul writes this, if God is near you, what is there to be anxious about? Right? If God is at hand, if God is with you, if God is a heavenly father who is watching you when you have no idea, 
If there is a heavenly father who loves you far more than you love yourself, than anyone could love you, and he is all-powerful and good and orchestrating your life in ways that are good for you, why would I need to be anxious? This is really challenging because we experience so much anxiety about who we're dating, what college we're going to, what job we have, what house we buy, like how are we going to raise our kids. We have so many anxieties. But in this passage, if the Lord is at hand, do you work through the implications of that? Um, Dallas Willard, quote I love, uh, says, if God is our heavenly father, then the world is fundamentally a safe place to be. If God is our heavenly father, if we are in the arms of God, no matter what happens to us, then nothing can hurt us. If the worst thing happens and we die, this is serious, right? If we die, when we fall out of life, we are caught by the arms of our everlasting father and we are safe. So if the most deadly and dangerous thing in this world does not remove us from the love and protection of God, then anything that happens in this world, danger, accidents, hardship, heartbreak, none of these things remove us from the safety of God because he's our father who loves us. So do not be anxious about anything. What's the opposite of anxiety? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is, in a sense, the key. God says the opposite of anxiety is to pray in everything and involve God in everything. And he says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So do you self-disclose to God? Or do you, do you self-disclose? Or do you kind of keep him out of things? Where you say, you can have this area of my life, I'll pray to you on Sunday, but then on Saturday night, I, that's my time. These are my french fries, God. You, I'm going to eat with the french fries I want. You can't have any. You know? Or I'm going to do the thing I want. I, you can have that area of my life. You can't have this area. But God is a father, and he wants to be involved in every single thing in your life. And so as a parent, if you, like, you parents know, your kid might not want to involve you in the place that they struggle the most. That is exactly the area you most want to be involved in their lives. And there's nothing harder than a kid who's going through problems that you can't, they don't even want to tell you about. No matter what that problem is, addictions, struggles, whatever it might be, they, you want to be involved, you want to help them. But when they cut you out, they don't talk to you. That's so painful. And so God is actually trying to encourage us and say, look, come to me in everything. When you sin, how does God see you? When you sin, God's heart and compassion goes out to you and says, what I want more than anything is for my child who has kind of lost their way to come back and experience my forgiveness and love for them. That is what the heart of the father is like. And so that's how we relate to him. When you are struggling, tell God about it. When you're sinning, tell God about it. When you're having a great time, praise God for it. In your relationships, your romantic relationships, involve God in those things. Involve God in everything. So this is what it looks like. Um, a kind of crazy thing happened a couple of weeks ago. I've told many of you about it. But so I really, really believe that when we do this, we really, God shows up, and in this passage says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
when you pray in everything, when you pray, when you thank God, when you cry out to God, he promises that his peace will guard you. And so the opposite of that is anxiety. And so if you're anxious, I just want to ask you, do you involve God in everything? Do you realize who you're praying to? Do you know how he feels about you? Um, and then he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds as you bring your request to him. So uh, one way that we experienced this is uh, two weeks ago, um, Toby had a really bad accident, or not really, but he had an accident where he was drinking a smoothie out of a bamboo straw. He fell down, and the straw basically like scraped the top of his mouth really, really bad. So his head like, you know, like that. And he was bleeding out of his mouth like crazy. It was just like dripping down the front of his shirt. And so we were freaking out, right? And we took him to pediatric urgent care, and we're like, what is going on? The whole time he's wailing. This is like one of the hardest things we've ever been through as parents. Um, the whole time he's wailing. And the doctor said, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, it'll just heal up on his own in a, in a couple of days, right? Um, and so during this time, I was praying the whole time that God would help him be okay, that he would be bringing comfort to Toby. And so we had to wait for 45 minutes for the doctor to come. We were just seeing a nurse. And so we went outside, um, outside of the room, because he's just screaming the whole time. Uh, and we went to the street, and I was praying that God would comfort him. And across the street, there was a construction site, and peeking over the fence was an excavator. And this is so dumb, but like, it's not dumb. Toby loves excavators. And so I was like, wow, Toby, what is that? It's an excavator. And he looked over and he said, like, excavator. And then he was crying, but he was like smiling a little bit, even though his mouth was hurting so much. And so I, I like, then later on, a few minutes later, a cement truck, a cement mixer drove by. And he loves cement mixers. And like, cement mixer, and he's like crying, and, and, but he's a little bit happy and he's comforted. I, I think this is God answering my prayers that he would comfort Toby. I really do. And so in that moment, though his mouth was hurting, I knew it was going to be okay. And not only that, God was reassuring me where he was saying, God is with me. I felt God holding my hand through the situation. And that is incredible peace and comfort. And so if you don't pray much, I'm not going like, to like berate you for not praying more. What I'm saying is, this is the promise of God for you, where as you involve him in everything, you get to experience his peace and joy in whatever circumstances you go, go through. But if you cut him out, you won't. You'll be anxious. You'll struggle. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, involve God in everything. Involve him in everything. Um, so what does this look like? Don't think about prayer simply as like quiet time. Pray constantly. Whenever you think about it, ask God. Whenever you have a need, ask God for something. When you need forgiveness, ask God for it. He's going to respond. When you need protection, when you need help with a job interview, ask God, ask God, ask God in everything. And as we do this, you'll experience his love as a father, joy unspeakable, peace beyond our understanding. This is what it means to involve God in everything. This is what it means to have a relationship with our father. Let's pray. Um, Lord, I thank you that you smile down on us, you sing, uh, you delight in us uh, when we are completely unaware. Uh, you love us so much. And God, I pray that you would give us just the tiniest taste of your delight in us, your love, your forgiveness, and this would free us to walk with you in everything, in our hard moments, 
when we sin, when we turn away from you, when we are ashamed, when we run for you, I pray we'd be able to confess our sin and experience your grace and forgiveness. I pray in our afflictions, in our, in our anxieties, you would be bringing us comfort. Uh, we would experience many answered prayers, many uh, moments of your reassurance of your love for us, and this would get us through the problems we have. Um, I pray you would make us uh, people who live our lives uh, with you, praying to you uh, in everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.